Turn to Deuteronomy, if you have your scriptures with you. Chapter 4. At the beginning part of this chapter, the writer talks about God's intervention into history, both by his action and by his commandments. And then he looks at the spiritual leadership. And, and, and in succeeding weeks, we're going to talk about how to apply this in kids, in pre-adolescence, in teenagers, young adults, so on and so forth. Okay? So, so, but listen to this overview as it is written. An overview of spiritual leadership. An overview of instruction for spiritual leadership. Verse 9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. Now, if you will turn uh, one page over and go to chapter 6 with me. Now, it says, beginning in verse 5 through verse 7, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Notice how personal this is. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up. Now I've got three principles, but there is a preeminent principle. You could call it a fourth principle or the prerequisite principle for spiritual leadership. And that is that you are present with the people. Now, that almost sounds like a no-brainer, but you would be surprised at how many people don't think that's necessary. When he says, you shall talk of them in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, he's talking about pervasive fellowship. He's talking about being present with those that you would instruct. I mean, actually being there physically. It is not possible to be a spiritual leader unless you are there physically to form the relationship to be the most effective spiritual leader. Unless you are there physically and you are there present with them to those that God has given you for that mentoring. By the way, who taught us that? God taught us that. Out of all of the religions of the world, there is one religion. That's not really religion. It's a relationship. Why is it a relationship? Because God put on skin and came down and was physically present with us. If that is the best God can do, that's the best we can do. If that, that is what we are to go after. So, so because God did that for us, we do that with each other. Now, here are the three others. Not only is your presence required, but your purity is required. Look back at verse 9 in chapter 4. I'm just going to take this single verse and I'm going to break it down in three ways. Look at the first part of that, what it says. It says, only give heed to yourself. And keep your soul diligently. Keep your soul diligently. What is the primary responsibility for a spiritual teacher? You don't start with this, what can I transfer to someone else? You start with this, how close to God can I get myself? How, how much can I learn from Him? How close can I walk to Him? You see, give heed to yourself. And keep your heart diligently. It is so important. Why? Because the most basic, most effective form of teaching is not content, it is example. The most basic form of learning is not by hearing, it's by imitation. Long before and long after, 
people hear your words, they will see who you were and how you behaved and how you lived. And that's what will stick with them. That's what is transferred most basically. And therefore, when Vernon quotes 1 Peter 1.16, when God says, Be holy, even as I am holy. He's not just talking about a, a personal moral standard of behavior. He's talking about the way you love those that have been given into your care, the way you teach those that have been given into your care. You've got to be holy. You've got to be holy to the point of being a model. Now, I know what you're saying right there. I can't do that. I've tried that stuff, and and I just keep sinning. You're exactly right. You see, God gives us people to take care of and to teach, and then he shows us how inadequate we are for it. Why? Because only He can do it in us. We need to have the mind of Christ or we can't do it ourselves. We need to have Christ living in our hearts and by the power of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives into lives that are models for others. Now, it does not mean that you will never slip and fall into sin. You know, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how mature you are. Sin is still there waiting on you. And any given time, it can pop out. I was taken two months, or a month ago now. I was taken, Becky and I were taking uh, our two oldest to college. They, they roomed together at a Christian college in Indiana. And we were doing the drive through thing, you know. And every time it seems like I drive through someplace, I spill something on myself. And so here we go, driving through, you know. Get the big jug of coffee there, you know. Turn a corner and boy, that coffee just came all over me. And man, I'm going to tell you a word came out of my mouth <laughs> that I, I thought I had forgotten about. I mean, I hadn't used this word in years. And it shocked me. Shocked everybody, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's this quiet, you know? Except I could, I could hear my boys in the backseat going, did he say what I think he just said? <laughs> well, you know what? It's that, you know, sin is always there, crouching at the door, the Bible says, and it's desires for you. But you must master it, the Bible says. How do you master it? It says in Romans 6 that if you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are the master over sin because you're no longer under the law. You're under grace, and grace can purify your life. It's not that you never need to watch yourself anymore. It's that you're even more sensitive as time goes along. And when those little things happen, you you come right back because, because that's not really who you are anymore in Christ. See? It's so important that you understand you are the examples because that's who they're looking to. You know, the most sobering time I've ever had as a parent in my life came about a year and a half ago when I was riding uh, to uh, uh, some high school event with my then 17-year-old, and uh, he, you know, we were goofing off. We, we, we always goof off together, we kid around, and, and uh, he had done something silly, and I said, oh, you're so young, you don't know anything, and he said, well, you're so old, you've forgotten everything, you know. <laughs> and of course, he was right, and, but we just kept going back and forth, you know, and just doing, it's kind of a man thing, you know, getting a little competition here, you know. And I looked at him, and I said, oh, you're just a Joel Hunter wannabe, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and he stopped for a minute. And he looked at me and he said, I am a Joel Hunter wannabe. Man, I didn't say anything for about a block and a half. The the wind just went out of me. Now, let me ask you, what would be your reaction if your 17-year-old son or daughter looked at you and said, I want to be just like you? What would be your reaction? 
would your first reaction be, <laughs> no, please, you know? <laughs> Maybe uh, try St. Augustine. Try, you know, try to, you know. You know what my reaction was? Great. I want you to be like I am. I want you to have the marriage I have. I want you to have the kids I have. I want you to have the call on your life that I have. I want you to get out of bed every morning like I do, believing that you're going to make a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. I want that for you. Does that sound arrogant? It's not meant to be. That's what God wants for all of us. Do you remember what St. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11.1, when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Why did he say that? Because he knew that there are people in the world who are not spiritually mature enough yet to follow the Spirit. They need somebody with skin on. They need examples. They need need something they can see. And St. Paul said, well, follow me then as I follow Christ. He wasn't trying to be arrogant. He was trying to do the same thing Jesus Christ had done for him. What does it say in 1 Peter 2.21? That Christ came as an example that we should follow in his steps. God did the same thing for us. St. Paul did the same thing for those that followed him. You do the same thing. For those that follow you, you are the example. They need your purity. And God can transform your life into a model, into an example. But you not only need to be present and not only need to be pure for them, you also need to give them your perspective. Look at the next part of that verse. It says... Give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. You know what that phrase means? It means he's talking to people about a very special gift they have. They have experience, which amounts to perspective. You know, we live in a culture that worships youth. And I have yet to figure this out. 